It's the Warbler Crazy Podcast, talking all things warblers, birding, photography, gear, and even bagels on the road. Join the fun and foolishness with your co-host, Stephen Michaels, and his sidekick, Enrico Palazzo. Now, from their bunkers in suburban New Jersey, it's time for Warbler Crazy. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode three of the Warbler Crazy podcast. Coming to you from our bunkers in suburban New Jersey, I'm Stephen Michaels. Joining me is the Ed McMahon of birding, my sidekick and buddy, Enrico Palazzo. What's up, man? How you doing, Steve? Hello, everybody. Well, so today, you know, another day in, uh, you know, unfortunately, coronavirus land here. Uh, with us in New York and New Jersey, it's just kind of astronomical numbers as we're recording this on April 1st. Our thoughts are obviously with those on the front lines and dealing with this virus. Uh, you know, we're trying to have a little fun you know, and levity. But do you know, Enrico, who is not on the front lines? There's someone not on the front lines of this? Who's that? Barbers. Barbers are not on the front lines. Yes, you're right. So. They are uh, probably home doing, I don't know, maybe a barber podcast, but uh, I am starting to look like a gray Q-tip, maybe one of those elves, you know, but my hair is, uh, it's, it's a, little, a straight up mess. So Getting a little wooly? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, uh, I'm thinking maybe either the Floby or um, I might just put the bowl on my head, you know, and, and go for that look, so... It's, uh, it's, it's getting ugly, man. It's, get the, it's, uh, you, you get know, the 30, get the $30 wall, a uh, buzz, buzz thing at CVS. Gonna, I have gonna, one. That's going to be my uh, Christmas present to myself in April. Yeah, it's great. It's got the little plastic gu- guides you put on there. You can decide how long you want your hair and just give it a, give it a buzz. There you go. Or, or uh, is, is it weird if I borrow yours? Yeah. It's a little, that's yeah. We're not that close. We're not that close. <laughs> Because people have said otherwise. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. All right, I'm drawing. I'm drawing a line at the buzzer. Okay, uh, I'll 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 defer to your counsel on this. <laughs> so today's episode <clears throat> for our third episode, which I feel we're getting our, our stride, we're kind mm-hmm. of getting more comfortable, and I feel like as we chronologically do these i feel like there will be less cringeworthy moments hmm. but today's episode was don't count on that yeah you're probably right uh <laughs> there's always a cringeworthy moment here today's episode is going to be what is the allure of bird photography because it is something weird it is definitely unusual i i know we've spoke about this in episode one but you were cracking on me until you finally got into doing it. Oh, absolutely. I was, I would never deny it. Which is funny now, especially <laughs> since you are probably as much into it as I am. And now, uh-huh. yeah. you know, it's the way it goes, but you know, we know a lot of people that do this because obviously we're in the world, but the people that aren't in the world that look at the pictures, they go like, Oh, it's really cool. But they don't understand why we would do this and kind of almost what goes into it. So I thought for the non birders or the non photographers, 
you know, basically for my mother-in-law in Boston, because she's going to listen to this. She's going to be our fourth listener. I'm, I'm counting them on my <laughs> finger right now. Uh, we're going to, we're, you know, explain kind of why and what goes into doing this. And for me, it inherently starts with a love of nature, mm-hmm. a love of birds. Right. And the third part of it is to be challenged, creative, you know, where you're where you're out there and you're putting all of those things together i mean that's what it is for me i mean what what is it for you that makes it intriguing to do this it's challenging and it's creative it's it's as simple as that um so so you don't love birds or nature no 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 no. i do love birds and i love nature i i i you know i have have an abiding respect for them i mean look like i as a kid uh i was in the boy scouts and that was that was a major part of it. I mean, it was always something about respecting the environment, taking care of the environment, doing things actively for the environment. Um, back then, because as we've already pointed out, I am of an age. Uh, we referred to it as ecology. <clears throat> and I had, <laughs> I, listen, I had the green and white striped ecology flag, you know, with the ecology symbol, the theta symbol on my jacket and all that jazz. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I had one on my Boy Scout uniform right under the American flag. Do you um, still have it? You know, we have a lot of stuff from my mom's house when she moved in boxes. So I'll bet you it's still there. I'll bet. I you. will pay you $100 <laughs> cash. The next time we go out, for you to wear that Boy Scout uniform. Oh well, no, hold on, that can't happen. I was a, <laughs> I was a svelte fourteen year old, and I am not that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, but yeah, I, I get it. You know the respect for nature and 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 and, and the love of birds, which are that you know who knew how many there were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up in a, in a really nice uh, suburban town in Bergen County, and we had we had our fair amount of birds in our backyard, but not like I've seen in the last year. I, I literally I literally had no idea that there was one of the things that struck me when I was seeing the work that you were publishing was the seemingly infinite variety. Of what there I is, there is a a lot of birds, and I. It kind of sounds funny. When there are a lot of. There's a lot of birds. I mean, <laughs> uh, I do keep a count. I do keep a list, and my list is about uh, two forty six. Um, and the reason I say about because I use the the birds that I you know I do photographs of mm-hmm. as my count. So I've seen more right. than that, but I haven't you know, shot them. So to me, that is my, that is my count, but we're on the Atlantic flyway. So we do see a fair amount of birds here in in New Jersey. And for anybody in the know, Cape May is one of the best birding spots, not just in New Jersey, not just in the U S but in the world. It's fantastic. I I have not, I've been to Cape May. Um, I didn't get the chance to bird there. In fact, mm -hmm. last, last something, you know, every year, uh, we go down to Wildwood for a week, and unfortunately, the neither the weather nor the greenhead flies cooperated this year. So, trying to get anything done in Cape May this year was a, a total bust. Um, right, but 
uh, I was hoping, looking forward to uh, to cracking that nut this year, and uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, my green-headed fly friend, <laughs> <laughs> that is, um, yeah, one of the things that you have to do mm-hmm. to be a birder. Yeah, I know. You have to be. You have to put yourself out there with the green head flies. But the other thing is, if you're going to do this, you have to be a little crazy. You definitely have to be a little off because, for one, you know, from the photography standpoint, you know, the birds aren't getting paid for us to take their picture. You know, so no, it, it's you know, it's a lot of patience, patience, patience. You need to put in a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, really. Like, and you know, from doing this, but somebody that doesn't do this, we can literally in the spring migration, if it's a, if it's an overcast day, we will spend from four in the morning getting up Mm -hmm. to the location, not getting home until like eight or nine o'clock because we're getting there. But then when we're there, you know, it's finding the bird getting the bird where we need it to be yeah, and, and they don't take direction very well no they are like the <laughs> worst worst so you know it, it, there's a there's a definite amount of patience which i think in in kind of like looking at it now it definitely kind of comes back into my life where i'm able to slow things down a lot more and enjoy everything else because of that time in the field. And so I really do appreciate that whole element, but it, it is really something quite crazy to do when you first start doing it. If you don't love it, you're out as quick oh, as you start. Immediate. If I didn't, if I didn't love it, I would have been out immediately. I mean, but then there's, yeah, yeah. there's also the rewards mm-hmm. of, what you're doing well, and, that, and to me that's what yeah. makes you love it right right and that's the thing the rewards are the payback for being crazy in doing it you know you're outside that's one i mean you're right. yeah i know you are in an office all day oh. i am in an office all day it's it's a you know it's a thing where i'm sitting down from you know nine to five and so those times out in the field are really the critical times where I'm, you know, kind of getting that passive exercise where, you know, we're walking and doing things. And that to me is, is the part of my life that I really do look as at a reward when we don't get a shot, like, and we get skunked and not getting a bird. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in that moment, I'm, I'm frustrated. Like right now, you know, if I'm going outside on the side of my house and shooting a feeder, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, but I'm outside. It's, it's that kind of thing. There is that mental, ex, you know, escape yeah. to being, to doing that. And that's one of them. The challenging part obviously is the other part, but the feeling of accomplishment in, you know, putting it all together from getting up, getting to the location, finding the bird, shooting the bird, editing the shot, and then putting it up on your computer. That's the payoff for me. I don't know. That for me is the payoff. What about you? I agree. Um, There's something, there's something uniquely satisfying about 
all of a sudden being on the bird because I mean, it, it's you know I had a I had a friend of mine who had it who had a good good close relative that I got to know who was an airline pilot and I asked him what it was like you know what to fly planes and he says well look it's to be honest it's ninety nine percent boredom and one percent sheer terror um, I don't know that this is the, the, the division between having to exercise patience and excitement is quite the same here. I think it's a little bit more balanced, but there are times when you're out there and it can be frustrating. It's hot. You're tired. You're not getting anything. And then all of a sudden you hear the bird and you move in that direction. You get on the animal and you start zeroing in on it and you get the shots. And there is something really, really satisfying about that, especially when you know, you set your camera upright. The light's good. You got it. You got the shots. And you get home and you you put it up on the computer and you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, these are these are winners. I'm 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 happy now. Right. And and to me, the other part of it that really makes it worth it is the experience. It's fun. I mean, we have a very good time. We do. We spend more time laughing, <laughs> and we have to almost kind of like, all right, dude, shut up. You know, it's time to get to work. Uh, it, because there is a lot of that and, you know, we're very comfortable around each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, it's not just because we're, you know, we're friends who just do this. We have, you know, had a, a, a very long friendship. And right. so for us, that part of it is an extension because it was something for us to do, you know, where we had mentioned in one of the other podcast episodes that music was the initial thing that kind of got us together mm -hmm. And then it moved into photography and then combining the birding thing. So for us, it's, it's that experience and having those stories where we go back and kind of laugh about it. That's really another part. Yeah. And that's something that's important to me. It's funny too, because I, I, I really think I got, this is something that I got a little bit from my dad. And I, I'm, I'm probably going to mention my dad a lot when we do these, because he was a major influence on me, but uh, his thing was, uh, when he would come home from work was watching nature shows and it didn't matter what it was, birds, lions, uh, wildebeest. It didn't matter. You know, whatever it was, whatever it was they were showing, he was, he was very engrossed in it. And um, he had a job. He was a doctor required that he got up very early every day. And I know that one of his favorite things to do was to get up a little extra early, sit in the kitchen. We had a, we had a really nice backyard and watch the wildlife in our backyard because there was a lot of activity out there. And uh, he's, gone, he's gone a long time now, but I think he would really get a kick out of this. Um, you know, the technology that we're able to use to get so close to this now is really something. And uh, I know I know that I got, I got an appreciation for any, if not all of this from him. Right. Well, that's definitely very true. I think that a part of that is kind of, I know when I was a kid, my parents and my grandparents would take us to parks in upstate New York. And at the time I probably didn't want to be there. I would have rather have been home, <laughs> you know, learning guitar, playing Iron Maiden songs, but it kind of, I think subconsciously, uh, I, you know, when I started doing this, I'm like, Oh my God, I haven't been here since 1984. Right. You know, so right. there is that. And there's those good memories but definitely, um, you know, you did say one thing, the technology part of it. I heard a podcast uh, recently with a 
fantastic photographer, Melissa Grew, who um, she is world class photographer. She's good. Yeah. She's also, yeah, she's real good. And she said, uh, you know, in the podcast that basically the technology now from where it was just 15 years ago is changed so dynamically that it allows us to do what we do. And, you know, honestly, this is, this is definitely one of those things where you're right on the cusp of affordability. So, I mean, it does take, you know, it's not cheap. It does take, yeah, it's not cheap and you do need to kind of work on the budgets Uh and stuff. And we're going to talk about gear down the road and kind of budgets. Oh, are we good? Everything's going to work for you. I know that that is one of your. Oh, I want to. I want to talk about gear. <laughs> but not today. Not today. So let's talk about what does make a good bird shot. Because okay. now that everybody kind of has an idea into why we do what we do, what do they see that you know we kind of put together? And to me, what makes a good bird shot? It's such a subjective thing. But to me, a good bird shot tells a story. How? Because you're bringing your viewer into the bird's world. You're going into it eye level. You're shooting at the bird. That's, you're really bringing the viewer there. You're bringing them into that world. And when there's a great bird shot, they get to kind of experience all that through the photo and eliminate the insanity that we do to get that. Shot. I agree. I absolutely agree. You got it. Um, you and I have had many conversations about this and, you know, fortunately I've, I've finally gotten the message um, when we would go out and I'd see a bird up in the tree, the operative word there being up. Um, and I would lift my lens up and I'd start shooting it. And you would just tell me, Dude, you are not going to like that picture. And I would just be, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. You watch. And sure enough, I'd get home and I'd be like, yeah, that picture sucks. Um, I, well, I, I'm getting the bird at eye level, man. That is that is the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm totally sold on that. And look, that's the thing that pulls your viewer in. And it's not easy. No. It really it really isn't. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole part no, of no. that. You know, so, when you're when you're shooting ducks and you're out there an hour, you know, before sunlight to get there so you don't freak the duck out so that you can be at their level and, it's, and part of their you know, environment you're not going out there. Right. It's you're becoming part of the environment so that you're not freaking them mm-hmm. out so that, you know, you're not shooting up into the sky. Oh. And again, I'm not dismissing anybody that does that kind of photography or if it just works for them. That's awesome. But for me, I'm OCD about oh, please. this, and so please, I want to have the I want have the best quality shots that I can, you know, mm-hmm. that I can do. I mean, there's concessions for everything, right. but for me, as a photographer and kind of trying to separate myself from the, you know, from from being a photographer and just looking at it from somebody else's perspective, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we're doing is we're telling a story and there's in, I don't know if anybody's written this. I don't know if there's anything that, you know, I I could just be pulling this out of the ethos, but to me, there's four types of shots and I look at them from 
action shots, personality, behavior shot, portrait, and environmental shots. And so an action shot is what it is, an action shot. It's a flight shot. It's a, it's a, you know, it's an osprey diving in for a fish. Right. That's, that's that kind of shot. Those are probably technically the hardest shots to get yeah. because obviously it requires timing, technique, being in the right place at the right time. There's a lot involved with an action and, shot. And not but... using a Pentax camera. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm sorry. The... I'm sorry, Pentax people. I'm sorry, but I, I learned that lesson the hard way. I loved my Pentax gear, but it couldn't do it could not do birds in flight. It was very well the conditions had to be so unbelievably perfect and precise. If you remember those so, those turns I got, right? Yeah. White bird, pure blue background, and a ton of light. Boom, got the shot. So Enrico Palazzo is laying down the gauntlet for Pentax birders listening to the Warbler Crazy podcast. You will now have a voice to send us your <laughs> flight shots to prove Mr. Palazzo wrong. Oh, boy. So feel free to leave us a message and send us your bird photos of flight shots. But I think that from what I'm guessing, Enrico saying you're not going to get it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have switched to a Nikon. Hey, camera, listen, but I uh, listen. Right. I've gotten hate mail before, as you know. I think you like. <laughs> I, I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our action shots with with that. Our personality behavior shots. That's what I like. Those are those are like that's our wheelhouse yeah. right yeah. there. Uh, that's feeding, singing. Uh, singing. Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff to me that shows what the bird does. Like if you're taking pictures of a duck in the water and you're low, it could be the duck just kind of doing its thing, mm -hmm. um, swimming by. Yeah, but basically it's a personality, a behavior yeah. issue. And that that's really what our, our favorite type yeah, of photography is. And as you know, my ultimate favorite is getting that shot right down the bird's throat. That that's a Palazzo shot. I love those. When I get, <laughs> when I can get that, I've, I I can go home. I've had a good day. That is definitely, I think for me, that is probably my favorite type of shot yeah. um, and story. So the portrait is kind of, it's it, it's close enough to a behavioral shot, but it's more or less. I, I kind of want to use like a field guide shot. Um, and again, I, I use that and I don't mean it dismissively, but it's, it's really more of your typical bird on a stick, just kind of <laughs> taking a picture of a, you know, it, it, it but it, it, it's a portrait. And if you know how to frame it, right, it can be awesome. And those are your full framers. Right. But to me, I'm not so into those, no. but that is definitely the third type. Yep. And then the fourth type is something that. I've tried to really focus on getting better at, and I have a few shots that I feel really comfortable with. Um, but those are environmental shots. And those are the ones where um, the bird is so small in the frame, but it's, it's an important part of the frame because obviously you're seeing the whole environment. There's a photographer um, who is uh, based out of Pennsylvania, I believe, or maybe South Jersey named Ray Hennessy. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know who Ray Hennessy is, but he's excellent at this. And if you don't yeah, know who he is, thing. you should check his workout. He's really, really good at this. He sets the whole <clears throat> shot up and the bird could be 
literally just this little small bird in the frame, but it makes the shot. And so that's the thing. Environmental yeah. shots um, can be really exciting. I mean, especially kind of going back to what, what Ray does. Uh, he does a lot of um, backlighting. So that's the thing. That's where creativity is, is really important with your work. But to me, that's the fourth part of the story mm-hmm. of the types of shots that you can get. Now, the composition is like how those pictures look when you're editing. Yeah, that's a little more, that's so, a little bit more rigid. There's not, I don't think there's a lot of room for, for, for bending the rules there. Right. So, but for me, you know, shooting a crop sensor camera gives us a little bit more ability to crop a shot so that we can kind of move it to, uh, you know, the way that we see the shot, because sometimes you see the shot and when you go to a location, that's what you're envisioning, but it doesn't always work that way. So, you know, you're, you know, I tend to shoot with a vision in mind, as you know, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it just doesn't work out. So when you get to your program that you use, and I use Lightroom, but it's, I try to follow some type of rule of third. Again, this is very subjective and I will put a shot of a bird right in the middle of the frame if everything else is symmetrical. Mm -hmm. So it's a really, really tricky subject to touch in about three minutes. But it's really important because composition is everything to your picture. If you don't have a good composition, it's not worth keeping the no, shot. No, it isn't. So you have to have, you know, if it's a bird in, a, in, you know, a personality shot, everything has to be right. The lines have to be right. The eye has to be facing a certain way. There's all of those little intangibles. And when they come together, that's what makes it a killer of shot. Course, but yeah. Um, you know, you have your rule of thirds, which I tend to shoot, I maybe somewhat too much. And I try to challenge myself, but, um, really the one thing that I don't do with my compositions is I don't like to do frame fillers. I try to stay away from frame fillers as much as yeah, possible. You know, I feel like I'm really surprised by that too. I, um, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, cause I, I remember, um, very distinctly, I forget exactly where we were when we had the conversation but i i i know that uh, your buddy kevin called you while we were while we were out and he said he made the comment to you he says yeah you know you got to get that full framer man you still don't have those and right right yeah and it's knowing how important that is to him and i know it is um and knowing how much he taught you about this i'm really surprised that you are not so swayed on that one. Well, here's the thing. It, it kind of plays into the world of Instagram. Mm. And I feel, you know, like, look, Instagram is a great tool to network and see other photographers work. But to me, when I see a bird and it's right up on the bird and it's full framer, it just seems that there's no real creativity to it. And again, this is just me, so send the hate mail to me, Stephen Michaels. But it just seems boring and not challenging. So I much like I much I would much rather have a little bit of environment and composition, and not get you know 
100 likes and get 50 likes and be really happy and not feel like I'm like soul sucking myself up to just get likes for a picture. Because for me, it's never been about that. that. It's always been about the art. That's where I kind of, I kind of compromise. And we've discussed this. When I first got onto Instagram, if, if you do look at my account, you'll notice that the early shots um, are much more, you know, there's only, I, I didn't have the whole swipe it thing going on. I didn't post two shots at once. And it was all the original image, right? Where there's composition involved and everything else. And I got to be honest with you, on Instagram, you don't get a lot of traction with shots like that. So then what I started doing was I started posting where I had the original shot and you'd swipe to get a crop. And in all honesty, my account started to get some traction. Of course, you know, part of this too, when you're on Instagram is trying to build your brand, right? So you want a little bit of traction. Uh, But then I switched it around. And what I did was I posted and I still continue to post the crop shot is the initial shot. And you look at my feed, that's what you'll see. You have to swipe the shot to get the full shot, the, the, the comp, you know, where, where I paid attention to my composition and all that. And when I did that, that's when my account got real traction and it started to move. Um, so I, I think that plays into exactly what you said. That has to do with Instagram. Instagram, for whatever reason, I think it's because it's a small format. You're looking at the thing on your phone. It's really hard to see right. what the shot actually is. Not a lot of people use Instagram on their desktop, which I don't understand. I'm even more baffled by creating a platform on a phone that's graphics driven. And then it becomes popular. It, 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 it really it defies logic. It really, really does. Yeah, the whole Instagram thing is probably a topic for oh, itself, yeah. which we well, could probably... We could probably do down the road. Um, but for me, I just don't want to shoot for Instagram. And I know that people do. I have friends that tell me purposely the way that they shoot is for Instagram. And that's I awesome. don't go that far. It's just not for I, me. I, yeah, it's just no, not for me. No, you can't, you, if you're going to do that, like you know, it's going to change your whole approach to composition. Uh, you know. Right. And so I don't want to do you know, that just doesn't work with how I'm trying to put a shot together. And that part of it really is, you know, kind of who you mm-hmm. are as, as a photographer and what your brand is. But really, at the end of the day, when you're putting stuff out there, it's it should be consistent. And I think like, whether or not everything is the one same shot, but I'm talking about like, you sh- people will know when they see your shots and they go, that looks like your shot. And that oh, yeah. becomes kind of your identity. And so if that's what you do, then that's. I think, I think and your so- shots are instantly identifiable. I, I don't think mine have quite, have quite gotten there yet. Um, they're different from yours. I go for a little bit more of a, I go for a bit of a grittier look than you do. And, and I, mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily shoot for that purpose, but I certainly edit for that purpose. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't think I've quite gotten to that point where somebody would look at it and go, Oh, that's a Palazzo shot. You know, your shots. Definitely. I see it. And I'm like, Oh, that's Steve. And sure enough, I look and it's you. I I think it like to parallel playing guitar, that's kind of almost like a vibrato, you know, where 
you know, you have a certain thing and it's an identifying kind of, uh, just when people see certain people's work, you go, that's that mm-hmm. guy's work. And that's an awesome compliment. I've actually, um, I've seen other people's work and I, every time it does that and I go like, that's that, you know, it's, it, that's to me is the ultimate compliment yeah. because that means that you have your own identity and that means that you've put the time into the craft to be able to have that ability that you can have a certain feel. It's like, it's kind of almost like if Eddie Van Halen <laughs> played David Gilmore's rig, it would still sound like Eddie Absolutely. Van Halen. And that's kind of, you know, maybe one day we'll, we'll, well, we both use the same right. rig. So I guess that I was kind of shot. So if anybody has any mirrorless cameras, we're going to try doing that. So we're going to switch rigs up mm-hmm. one day and see how that yeah, it's, goes. It's, it's but, funny. You talk about compliments. They can jam you up a little bit. Um, not long, not, sure not long can. ago. Um, I, I had someone who I consider to be someone who's on my Instagram, who I consider to be a, a, a really, really good photographer. I, I enjoy her work. I, it's one of the, she's one of the photographers that I have, uh, I've turned on notifications for. So I see her work when it comes up and she, I don't know. I don't remember specifically which image it was, but rather than just giving me a like, she took the time to make a comment, which of course is always appreciated. And she, she said something about how my shots always show the glossiness of the feathers and it's what makes my images pop. And I was really struck by that because I haven't noticed that. And now, of course, every time I'm editing a picture, I'm looking at the picture, deciding whether or not it's even worth editing. Am I going to use it? The first thing I'm thinking to myself is, wow, do the feathers look glossy and do they pop? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's something that I, I, I've sort of become conscious of. And uh, I got to watch that. Right. Well, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, we've had people say nice things about us and we've had people say really bad things mm-hmm. about us. And I don't care. I don't kind of care either way. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean that to be dismissive, but like, there's people that like me. There's people that don't like me. And I'm not going to let the highs impact me one way. And I'm not going to impact like the lows. So for me, it's just about kind of being who I am and trying to remain objective. Right. That's, that's as the trick. That's the trick. Right. Yeah. So. It's always nice when people like your work and it's always nice when they oh, come to you, especially it's incredibly when, flattering. Right. It's flattering. But for me, I'm looking at it from the perspective as I'm a creative person. And so I'm really only doing it to, you know, to release my outlet. So here's the one thing we are starting to run out of time. So I want to just kind of move away from this conversation okay. and kind of go back into the conversation that we were talking about. And the other part of it, as we, we are very close to the end here, but for me, the other element for telling a story is oh, light. Yes. Um, light has to be perfect. And by perfect, it doesn't mean, you know, 11 o'clock sunlight. It's no shadows, mm-hmm. having that nice diffused lighting, soft yep. lighting. That's really what's going to be the winner for me. And to me, that's also like the no wire hangers moment, you know, like. <laughs> I will turn into mommy dearest. As soon as I see a shadow on someone's picture, I'm like, dude, I'm yeah, that's, it. that's it. No, that's you've said it to me. Sure. You know, like you can't, can't you like clone that out or can't you do uh. something? Because 
to me, I I noticed. I was so I was so proud of my white throat sparrow shot, and it's and it's a great shot. The bird was in a bush; it was tough to get. The light was just right. I got the shot. The color was good. It was sharp. The environment around the bird was good. It had nice bokeh in it. You took one look at the picture and you go, "Oh yeah, look, you didn't take out that little shadow on that stick over there, did you?" And it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was literally one percent of the frame, you know. And I, yeah, <laughs> I wanted. I'm a good. I'm a good. Oh god, I wanted to way. throw it in the garbage after that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's from uh, you know being an obsessive guitar oh. player and kind of yeah. It, it just I look at things a little harshly, and so if I'm not challenging myself, I'm challenging you, and um, you know anybody that I know, you know that comes to me and says like hey what do you think i will tell them what i think oh, yes you will not in a way that hurts people <laughs> but and it's it, but that's what that's what it's about i mean you know if somebody's like hey what do you think and are you like all right are you asking me to placate you or are you asking me to help you so they're both very much different well you can placate me once so, in a while it's okay all right well i'll do that <laughs> next time you're doing a very good job hosting the podcast <laughs> thank you very much all right. Our last part of telling the story is your background. Yeah. And I love the pleasing <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, the backgrounds for me are what make the difference between a good and a bad yep. shot. The, the blurred background, you know, is really going to be achieved by the distance between you, your subject, and that background five, 10 feet there. And that's how you get that. And that's something that um, I try to do now. Sometimes I try to do it to a fault and I'm trying to not do it as much because I feel like I want to have more environment in the background. So there is that part of it. So move around, yeah. try to get a different position on a bird. Uh, yeah, we went up to uh, Garrett Mountain here in New Jersey before everything kind of you know, started happening with the virus and we were up there shooting. We were on a nuthatch and we're both on the same bird and we're both kind of in the same position, but we're moving around so that we can get different angles, different perspectives, again, different eye, uh, you know, the birds look in a certain way. And so that to me is what creates that pleasing yeah. background. It's the distance and then having, you know, something in the background, whether, you know, the, if it's darker out, you know, mm -hmm. having something a little more colorful, it, it, it's all, again, it's all. I got, I got, I'm but sorry. Those are, no, those are all the things that I look at, I, um, you know, with regard. I to got, I got it's two. Amazing. I got two that I just, I can't, I can't tolerate. It's great to have things out of focus in the background, but it can't be busy. If it's busy, it's still going to be distracting no matter how blurred it is. It's. There's, there's a there's a fine line there, and I'm saying this more as a criticism of my work than anybody else. I'll think I got this great shot, and I, I put it up, and I'm editing it, and I know the background's far away. And for some reason, there's an identifiable tree that I wasn't counting on. There's an identifiable group of branches I wasn't counting on, and I'm instantly plagued in terms of, well, now what do I do about the shot? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's number one. And I, I have methods of dealing with that that maybe we'll get into one day, but it's still upsetting. Number two, and 
uh, man, I'm going to, this is a criticism of other people's work. It's something I won't do. And I know that there are people who do it. And I just think it's terrible. There is, you know, you don't use Photoshop, but I do. Um, I use Lightroom and Photoshop just because I think they're, they're each better at different things. There's a function in Photoshop in the, uh, in the, in the filters and in, in specifically in the blur menu where there's this thing called average. And what will happen is people isolate the background of their, of their picture and then they'll average it. And what that does is it takes all the colors in the background and literally finds a median and blurs the entire thing in that color. I see it a lot. In fact, I see it all the time now. And it just looks, it's overly processed. It looks fake. I don't know why, why people are doing it, but they do it. And I just don't like it. Yeah, I, I don't know that. I, tool, oh, yeah, I know I it. I do see it. You know, it just, again, there's an element of kind of gamesmanship with what we do. And with editing, look, we all take liberties with our shots and cropping out sure. branches or obstructions. And so that part of it is definitely something that we do. We're not entering contests. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like, let's, you know, full steam ahead. Let's get the best possible shot. But when it's over-processed, it just, it's kind of, it takes away from the shot because you're just adding like fake colors yep. to it just to kind of achieve what you couldn't achieve in the field. So the better your shot going into is going to be, you know, overall a better, mm -hmm. a better, better image yeah. for yeah. you to work with. Sure. So for me, that is the overall part of a shot that I tend to look at. And when we're putting out our work, those are the things that I look at in a photo and kind of work with within a shot. So those are the four categories for storytelling and then the breakdown of what goes into a composition. And ultimately for me, yeah, for you, I think the allure of doing it really ultimately is this is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's just geeky. It's it's kind of mind-numbing. At the same time, <laughs> it's mind-challenging. And that's really where it comes down to for me is I just love. Yeah, it's it's a blast. It's it's entertaining. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is that if it wasn't fun, if I didn't enjoy it, if we didn't have a lot of laughs, I Look, I'm not going to get up at four o'clock in the morning to impress myself, okay, or or anybody right. else, quite right. frankly. Um, but to go have a good time, yeah, I'll get up at four thirty. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah, and that's you know. So hopefully, my mother-in-law in Boston is still listening forty-three <laughs> minutes into this. And now she knows why I do this, and hopefully, anybody that doesn't shoot bird photography that actually has kind of come this far in this journey with us kind of sees all the little intricacies that go into a shot. So we'll have more conversations like this. We'll be introducing a few guests in the next Yay. couple of episodes. And we want to make sure that please share the podcast. We are warbler crazy. Send us any feedback. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. It's warbler crazy. Reach out for us, get engaged. Please share the, Please share what you can. Leave us feedback. 
we're very grateful for anything that we can get. Like I said, if this does take off, we're going to keep doing it. Otherwise, we're going to just have fun doing it for 10 episodes. So for myself, Stephen Michaels, and my buddy Enrico. Hi, everybody. Palazzo,